Hey, welcome to the Central Westland Church Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for downloading and thank you for listening. We hope that today you find God's Word to be encouraging, challenging, and inspiring your life today. We would love to connect with you through our Facebook page and Instagram page. All you got to do is look on Facebook or Instagram and search for Central Westland Church. Please know that we love you, we're praying for you, and we hope you enjoyed this week's message. If you have your Bible, go with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter, let's go to chapter 5. And we'll start there. I told Davey I was going about seven minutes. Eh, I don't know. I may go a little bit longer. We'll see. I have a mindset what I want to do, but we'll see what happens. Christ be magnified in me. Uh, of course, Paul said it first. Uh, we just sung it. And sometimes we sing things we don't know what we're singing about. That could be one of these things. Uh, basically, Christ wants to be magnified in us through everything we've went through in life. We've been through a lot of stuff in life. Uh, Jesus says this in the book of Luke, uh, many offenses will come. So we know this about life. You live long enough, you're, you're going to get offended. And an offense is something that can put you into bondage or it can keep you from getting set free. So it can either put you in or after it happens, it keeps you from getting set free. How do we get offended? Do we need to list all the things that we can get offended? Events can offend us. Uh, hardship can offend us. Not being invited to go eat lunch can offend us. Uh, all kinds of things can offend us. And Jesus says, let me tell you something about life. You're, you're going to get offended. One reason being you live in a sinful world. And not only will you get offended, but guess what? You will offend people too. So offenses will come. But the question is, we're never taught how to deal with offense. We're just taught we're going to get offended. Well, how do you deal with them? And how, what's your response to them? Uh, how do we come out of it? When Jesus Christ was crucified, of course, and, you know, they drove nails into his hands. Uh, after the resurrection, he has his resurrected body. And it's always amazed me with the resurrection body of Jesus. Jesus being God, you think God could have picked a body that's resurrected, that's a glorified body, that didn't have any scars on it. Right. So here's his, I mean, he, he's God. And you would have thought that Jesus could have picked a body that's glorified, that's resurrected, that didn't have any scars. I would think so. I mean, he can create the world. He said, in the beginning there was light. So you know the things. By the power of your word you create. On the count of three, everyone say light. One, two, three. That's what God said, and there was light. Just like that. Then it tells us in Hebrews that he holds the world up by the power of his word. So if God being this powerful, and he is, you would have thought 
that after the resurrection and his body was marred with all these scars, he could have had a body without scars that's resurrected. But he didn't. Why? Good question. One reason it tells us in Isaiah, by those scars were healed. Now, not only that, that's, that's Jesus. You've got scars too. Your scars has been events in your life, maybe tragedy, abuse, words. You got scars. The question is, are your scars healed? And if they are healed, people can get healed by your scars too. Because God can take everything that's going on in my life and bring good out of it. Right? right. So, Christ be magnified in me. That song literally means Christ, you know my life. So everything in my life may bring you glory in me. Let me show you what I'm talking about. Uh, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17, verse 16. He just says like bullet points. Number one, 16, rejoice always. Thanksgiving weekend, rejoice always. Okay, sermon's over. Verse 17, pray without ceasing. Verse 18, in everything give thanks. That verse, that verse bothers people. In everything give thanks? You've got to be kidding, God. And he, he doesn't say give thanks for everything. There's a big difference with that one word, for and in. But he says, in everything give thanks. Well, I want to know what God's will is. Well, right here he tells you one thing. For this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. So how do you know you're free in life? When the sun sets free, it's free indeed. There are two ways you know you're free, scripturally. Number one, you know you're free in life if, number one, uh, you have no unforgiveness in your life. So I'm 62 years old. If I can look over the past 62 years of my life, and if I can say I have forgiven everybody of everything, I have forgiven all the bad events. I've even forgiven God. Because some people need to forgive God. God, where were you? That happened to me, God, and I didn't see you around. So how do you know you're free? Well, I can forgive everything in my past. No, I have no unforgiveness. But the second way I know I'm free is I can give thanks for all things. Amen. Now, that's huge. Now, if you can't do those two things, if I can't do those two things, you may be a Christian, but you're not free. You're still tied on, and I can understand, I do, to things in the past. Because you were what? Offended. And he told you they were going to come. In fact, I guarantee when you go to lunch, you'll get offended at lunch. <laughs> Something will happen. That offends me. Jesus said you would be. But in life, we're never taught how to deal with offense. And do you know why? We don't know how to deal with it. Because truth be known, our mom and dads didn't know how to deal with it. And so the pain they had in their life, it got on you. So we're trying to figure this stuff out. So are y'all with me so far? 
So again, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks for this, the will of God in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the spirit. Notice in verse 19 that if I'm not rejoicing always, that if I'm not praying without ceasing, and if I'm not giving thanks, the, spirit's the, the spirit is quenched. So how do I quench the spirit? By complaining. How do I, give, how do I quench the spirit? By not giving thanks in all things. Why is it God moving in my life? Well, I guess because you're not being thankful. I guess because we're complaining. I guess because we're still holding on to the past. Well, here we are on Thanksgiving weekend. And Thanksgiving weekend was given to us by our founding fathers because they wanted to have a day set aside where we would take time off and we would say, God, we want to thank you for everything you've done in our life for the past year. And we have allocated one day to do that. That don't sound too bad. But for a Christian, every day should be Thanksgiving. Sometimes I like to reverse this thing. Sometimes I want to say, instead of having one day you can be thankful, why, why don't we just say, on one day, all you do is nag. <laughs> so come this Thanksgiving day, take that whole day and complain and gripe and be mad and be hateful and be spiteful and nag and complain and all day Thursday, nag, 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 nag. Then the other 364 days, be thankful. <laughs> right. Um, so, in all things, give thanks. Just the word of God. So it was given by our forefathers that we would set aside this one day to be thankful. But this word says that we're to be thankful. Because I tell you what happens when we're thankful. When we become thankful, uh, I, I think three things changes. My attitude changes. My speech changes. And my spirit changes. And when those three things change, my life changes. I mean, boom, it happens in a big way. And the word of God says, for this is the will of God, give thanks in everything, for this is God's will. So in heartache, give thanks. In good times, give thanks. In bad times, give thanks. When things are going great, give thanks. When things are not going too well, give thanks. Why? Because God can work through you and do amazing things. God can, if, if we can get 50-20 vision. Well, what's 50-20 vision? We know what 20-20 vision is. Genesis 50-20, Joseph was sold into slavery. And he looked at his brothers and he said, what you meant for evil, or what the devil meant for evil, God brought good out of it. Well, what did he go through? Well, he was sold into slavery. That's not good. He was accused of being a rapist, which wasn't true. He was put in prison for years. And in all that stuff, he says, what you meant for evil against me, I didn't get bitter. I didn't get revengeful. I gave thanks. And in the end, I'm prime minister of Egypt. And what you meant for evil, God took all that bad you meant against me and brought good out of it. So God is able to take every bad thing in our life. And if you let him, he'll bring good out of it. How? I forgive God to give thanks. Uh, part of that is prayer. Uh, if you've been around me long enough, you know that I've told this story, but it just marks this time of the year so well. Uh, you know, my wife Carla was in a car wreck, and she was in the hospital for two months at Baptist Hospital. And Everyone was asking my wife, and I'm so thankful they were. They were, they were always asking Carla, 
How do you feel? How do you feel? How do you feel? And every bone in her below her pelvis, her pelvis was broken, every bone below that was broken. And every time people would see her, she would, they would say, how do you feel? How do you feel? Good question. Not one time did I ever ask my wife how she felt. I'm not, not a bad husband. Everybody else was asking that. I didn't have to ask it. When I saw Carla in the hospital for two months, every day I asked her this question. What are you thinking? That's bigger than how you feel. Because the body will heal. The bones will mend. As a man thinks he is, that's scripture. And I thought, you could very easily have this thought. She's a cripple. She's, she wanted to, she could be on disability, but she's got too much pride, she won't go on it. <laughs> and so she hobbles around all day. Then she comes home every night in intense pain. And lays in the bathtub for an hour and a half. Then goes to bed. That's her nightly ways of living. She could have very easily said this, I'll never be able to play with my kids again the way I did. God, that guy crossed the lane, hit me, hit me. Wasn't me. And she could have very easily got a victim mindset. What's a victim? You messed up my life. That death messed up my life. You're a victim when you blame another response for the way you are today. You're a victim. That's not a good word to say. Nothing messes up your life. You control your thoughts. Nobody controls your thoughts. God doesn't control your thoughts. The devil doesn't control your thoughts. You control your thoughts. You are the guardian of your mind. When Jesus Christ was crucified on the cross, he was crucified on a hill called Golgotha, place of the skull. And if you would have been there 2,000 years ago, you would have seen a cross on top of a mountain that looked like a skull. Everything God does is for a purpose. The reason being, why wasn't he crucified on a place that looked looked like an elbow or looked like a kneecap? Because the battle's in the mind. And if I can control my mind, I can control my life. That's what these verses mean. My dear sister right here has been through a lot of stuff I'm looking at. We all go through hard times. So we're going to do that stuff. It's going to happen. Where I was going with that story is this. So I was in the hospital, and the doctor just came out three days after the car wreck, and after all these surgeries, and the doctor said, Charles Moses, yeah, we got bad news for you. Yes, sir. Your wife's going to die. I said, you got to be kidding. You know, I know you got three kids. Go ahead and prepare. Your wife's going to die. And I can remember sitting in Baptist Hospital when you had phones. <laughs> I mean, like, you know what I'm talking about? Phones on the wall. That long ago. The phone room. Charles Moses, that's how you know it's a long time ago. Picked the phone up. Steve Morris. Steve don't even go to church then. Only if he goes to church now or not. Steve Morris on the other end of the phone. 
Steve said. Charles Moses? Yeah. Steve Morris. I just want you to know I love you, and I'm praying for you, and I'm praying God to help you. I said, really? I hung the phone. I said, glory to God. I remember I sat down in the chairs at Baptist Hospital in ICU. Now, if you want to have a prayer meeting, go to ICU. They have a prayer meeting in ICU. Because everyone in ICU, they're poor in spirit. Uh, you know, first beatitude, blessed are the poor in spirit, theirs is the kingdom of God. That's the first beatitude. All beatitudes build on one another. So if I can't do number one, I won't do number two, and I won't do number three, and I won't do number four. All beatitudes build on one another. Blessed are the poor in spirit. What's poor in spirit means? Poor in spirit means I totally depend on God. Now, most of us aren't there every day because we think we can do it. How do I know I'm not poor in spirit? I hate to say this to you. I hate to say it to me. This is not good. If you and I are not in this every day, we're not poor in spirit. You know why? Because we say this. God, I got it. <laughs> you go take care of germs. Because I know he needs help. I can take care of me so I'm not in the Word today. So when I'm not in the Word that's showing God, you don't need me. So how, what's poor in spirit? Poor in spirit is when I see you, the doctor comes out and the doctor says this. There's nothing humanly possible I can do to save your loved one. There's nothing medically we can do. If God doesn't intervene, they're going to die. It is then you're poor in spirit. God, I totally depend on you. God says, I want you that way every day. Where you know you can't do it. Charles, where you know Charles can't do it. The problem is Charles thinks he can do it. I got it, God. Tar Heels need a lot of poor in spirit. <laughs> I got it, God. So I'm sitting in Baptist ICU, and I'm thinking, my wife's going to die. There's about 20 people in Baptist Hospital ICU, all in poor in spirit. So I thought, we're going to have a prayer meeting. And I stood up at Baptist Hospital ICU, and I said, can I have your attention? I've just been told my wife's going to die and I need everyone in this room to pray for me and pray for my wife that God would do something. About that time somebody else stood up and they said, and pray for me. My little boy was just in a car wreck and it doesn't look good and pray for me. And then another one prayed, stood up. By the time an hour and a half passed, and by the time the hour and a half was over, everyone was standing up. We all were joining hands. We all were praying. We all were crying. We all said amen. We walked away, but we thought better. Do you know why? Be in prayer always. It's amazing how prayer can just change your situation, can change your mindset. I realize I'm with God. Now, some people died, some people that my wife lived, but I realized then, if I could control this mind, 
I, I would do well. Charles, are you always well with it? No, I am not. But I know at Thanksgiving, here we are. God works through impossible situations and he takes what looks impossible and he does amazing things. Think about it this way. Joseph was in pit and in the prison. Moses was on the backside of the desert. David was in a cave. Daniel was in the lion's den. Shadrach, Meshach, the Benigo were in a fire furnace. John was on the Isle of the Patmos. All those situations, God took people who were in impossible situations and he brought blessings out of it. Say that to say this. I don't know what your situation is. You may be in the pit. You may be in the furnace. You may be in the lion's den. You are in miracle territory because God wants to help you. A few more things is this. Um, I'm 62 years old, and between you and me, I'm probably going to be senior pastor for maybe two more years. I'm not retiring, but I'm going to go into another realm of ministry. And I think I'm going to do this thing now called life mapping. I love it. I get it from the book of Samuel. David says this. David says, I'll paraphrase. God, I laid every part of my life out to you. Every part of my life. And it's made complete. And I saw how you moved in my life. Let me tell you what it is. All, everyone in this room, you have had things happen to you in your life that has hurt you dearly. Do you know that in your greatest pain is where you will minister the best? Where you've been hurt the most is where you'll do the best? But most of the time, people look at their pain and they say, I hate that. That messed me up. God says, that's your scar. And if you let me, I'll take that scar. And 2 Corinthians 1.4 says this, God will take your scar, heal your scar, then you'll be able to go to other people and well, they will get healed by the stuff you went through also. You minister to other people through your greatest pain in life. Or you could say this, I can be bitter about my greatest pain in life and help nobody. Whose decision is that? That's your decision. Yours. So, my mom died when I was 16. And for two years, I parted like there was no thing else going on. It was before 1999, and I parted like it too. <laughs> I mean, I, 16 years old, lived by myself for one year in a house that was $50 a month. You talk about a high school boy having parties. I'm talking about parties. Wild as a buck. And I'm about done. But I remember the day my mom died. I walked into the bedroom and I knelt on the floor and I knelt beside my mom, 16 years old, didn't know God. And I remember saying this. I kissed my mom on the forehead and I stood up and I said these words. I remember it. God, if we're going to die, why are we even born? 
Still a good question. God, if we're going to die, why are we even born? And I fell back on my bed and wept like a baby. And for the next two years, I was terrible. I never could figure it out. I know a lot of people, it, it may be the death of your mom, it may be, I hate to say it, but I've dealt with rape victims, incest. I mean, life's wicked. There's always a message in pain. And when you go through hard times in your life, you have another person that sits on your shoulders called the devil. You know what he tells you? If there's a God, why did that have to happen to you? You've heard that, haven't you? If God is so loving, why is he helping you right now? God doesn't care about you. You know why I know about this crowd this morning? We've all been through pain. Divorce. Death. Words. Abuse. Offenses are bound to come. You're going to get hurt in life. But we've never been taught how to get healed. Am I making sense this morning? What I want to end with you on that is this. The pain you've been through, God can take that worst moment of your life. It's going to sound so crazy. And bring purpose out of it. Bring wisdom out of it. Bring healing out of it. It doesn't happen in a setting this size. It happens in a smaller group where we confess our faults one to another, that we may be, what's that verse, y'all? Healed. Yeah. So, I just wanted to come see you this morning on the third Sunday of November, I think, and tell you there's a message in your pain. It's a great message. You just got to process it, talk through it, Pray about it. Get wisdom from it. And God wants to help you. Whom the Son sets free is what? Free indeed. It just doesn't happen like that. One minute. Why doesn't, I know when I first got saved, I used to cuss. I could cuss the wallpaper off the wall. I'm going to say I was a phenomenal cusser. I was incredible. I was so proud of my cussing. 
I was so bad that when I played football, high school football, the referee would come to me before the game and say, Moses, quit cussing so much during the game. Because I'd get on that offensive line and I'd cuss everybody out. I'd say, you blanky to blank, you mama, you blanky blank blank. And I mean, I'm making mad bulls. So I was a cusser. But when I got saved, my cussing quit just like that. That's amazing. Because, I mean, I could curse. In fact, after I first got saved, I, well, I slipped and had a curse word during my testimony. <laughs> Sunday night service, give for Western Church. Anybody got a testimony? I do. And I said this word, I'm so damn glad I'm saved. And immediately, whoop, the Lord grabbed my tongue. Whoa, boy, that's not your tongue anymore. That tongue belongs to the Holy Spirit. Don't talk that way. I got you. <laughs> but you know, why can God set you free in some things just like that? But on other things, you got bondage still. Good question. You know what I'm talking about? Do you know what I was in bondage to for years? Porn. Couldn't get free from it. God, I, and I had a bad temper too. Can y'all imagine that? Porn at a bad temper. What two bad combinations? <laughs> I got with Floyd McCallum. Floyd said, there's a reason you're that way. And so I figured it out. I sat down through healing. And I found that that's where it started. There's a phrase, the child is the father of the man. I don't know what you're in bondage to this, this morning, but I guarantee if you sit down and trace it out, you trace it back to your early years of life. Back to barn on it. So God wants to take that pain. And the reason you're not set free yet, he's trying to teach you wisdom. Okay, Charles, what can we learn about life through this? What have you learned about you? I can't do it. Good lesson. Okay, what have you learned about people? Okay. What have you learned about life? Okay. What have you learned about me? That's wisdom. You get that through pain. But we never are taught how to process that stuff. So my message to you this morning, and I'm done. Didn't plan on preaching any of this. I told Davey seven minutes. And here I am on 20. My message to you is this. Whatever your life has with pain in it, God wants to take your pain and make it a phenomenal testimony for his glory. Amen? That's a great Thanksgiving. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, in front of me, are some incredible miracles. Many of us don't know just what the miracle is, but Lord, it's, it's here. I pray in Jesus' name, the Lord, you would speak to hearts. And Lord, for that loved one, for that sister, for that brother, that Lord is saying, God, I never knew, I never could understand why I went through that or that happened to me. Lord, let them know this morning that there's hope and you want to help them and you want to, set them free and you want to give them peace and deliverance and wisdom on this affair. We pray this in Jesus' name and everyone said amen.